This is the Visit the Zoo podcast, episode number 41. Today we hear about the extinction of human beings and a lot more. Welcome, everybody, to another episode, episode number 41 of the Visit the Zoo podcast. I'm your host. My name is Fred Fisherman, also the author and creator of the 120 Animal 12-book Visit the Zoo series on Kindle Books and in print, audiobooks, DVD, and, of course, this podcast. I want to mention right off the top that we have three websites that you can go to. Our main website for this podcast is Zoo Animals. Dot info and animals is plural. That's zoo animals dot info. And my author website is at Frederick Fishman, that's spelled F I C H M A N dot com. And if you want to help and support everything that we do, we have a Patreon site as well at P A T R E O N dot com, Patreon dot com forward slash visit the zoo. And don't forget, we have two merchandise stores that we've opened up uh, under the nameplate Zooswear. And those merchandise stores are on Zazzle and Amazon. And if you want quick links and easy access to those stores, just go to my main website at zooanimals.info. And up at the top, you'll see two tabs that will say uh, merchandise on Zazzle and Zooswear on Amazon. Click either of those two tabs and that will take you directly to those merchandise sites. Today we've got a special animal description that I hope that you can stay tuned to because it's really, it's fascinating, it really is. Okay, let's get started. What do you say? And the first thing we usually do right off the top is we read a couple of stories, uh, zoo stories or animal stories, hot off the wire. And let's go to this first one. And this is about a 20-pound rodent with the ability to destroy roads, levees, and wetlands has been discovered in Stanislaus County. Stanislaus County is up in Northern California. It's been about a month since California wildlife officials started sounding the alarm on Nutria the invasive South America rodents that look like enormous 20-pound rats and have the power to devastate wetlands. They're making a comeback after being eradicated in the 1970s and have been spotted in Stanislaus, Fresno, Tuolumne, and Merced counties so far. We didn't know at first if it was a small, isolated population, California Department of Fish and Wildlife spokesman Peter Tierra told the Chronicle in February, but it became clear that it's a breeding population and they're reaching major waterways where they can move. It's only a matter of time until someone suggested eating them. A recent article on tech news site The Verge entitled The Case for Eating California's Giant Invasive Rodents broached the topic recently pointing out that Nutria apparently taste great in jambalaya. I don't think so. The idea of eating giant swamp rats is one that's come up in other states in Louisiana where Nutria were imported to be bred for their fur until some of them broke free and quickly reproduced beyond controllable numbers. Officials have been trying to drum up excitement about eating Nutria for decades now. A 1997 New York Times headline declared Louisiana is trying to turn a pest into a meal. Okay, pass. Thank you. Uh, This next story is about bald eagles that might go extinct in the Grand Canyon, just a little bit north where we live. 
This is from the Arizona Republic a newspaper in Tucson. Climate change's effects could imperil the bald eagle to the point of extinction in Grand Canyon National Park, according to a new report from the Audubon Society and National Park Scientists. The report says climate change is expected to significantly impact birds and their habitats in the coming decades. It examined the climate relationship with the birds in 257 national park sites. Bald eagles were removed from the endangered species list in 2007 after experiencing a healthy population growth. Even so, the report's findings paint a potentially bleak future for squirrels to severe drought that limits wildlife's access to water and melting ice that cuts off polar bears from their main sources of food. Of course, there are no polar bears in the Grand Canyon. Birds are useful indicators of ecological change because they are highly mobile, responsive, and generally conspicuous. A bald eagle's history in the Arizona area stretches back decades and entails conflict over water management, tribal lands, and critical nesting areas. So it looks like the bald eagle is in for quite a challenge in the decades to come. Alright, it's time for our mystery animal sounds. I'm going to play you three sounds from animals that you can try and guess what they are. I'll tell you a little later on in the episode what they were. Here is our first mystery animal sound. Some of you may have an opportunity to guess that one, but let's try our second one now. This is our second mystery animal sound. You can hear some human activity there as well, and I think if you live in a certain portion of the globe, you'll know immediately what that is. Okay, this is now our third animal sound. Did you get that? You know what? Let me play that one more time for you, okay? So you can see if you can guess it. And those are our three mystery animal sounds for today. You know, we talk a great deal on the Visit the Zoo podcast about endangered species or extinct or near extinct species. But what about us, human beings? going extinct. Could it happen? Well, it almost did 70,000 years ago. In this week's Visit the Zoo episode, we're going to focus on the near extinction of the human species. That happened 70,000 years ago, a mere blink of an eye, and not that long ago in the Earth's lifespan so far of four plus billion years. I'm going to play my pre-recorded reading of an article written in October of 2012 by well-known NPR radio science correspondent Robert Krolwich. Add all of us up, all seven billion human beings on Earth. Clumped together, we would weigh roughly 750 billion pounds. That, says Harvard biologist E.O. Wilson, is more than 100 times the biomass of any large animal that's ever walked the Earth. And while we're still multiplying, most demographers say that we will hit 9 billion before we peak. And what happens then? Well, we've waxed, so we can wane. 
Let's just hope that we wane gently, because once in our history, the worldwide population of human beings skidded so sharply, we were down to roughly a thousand reproductive adults. One study says we hit as low as 40. 40, come on, that can't be right. Well, the technical term is 40 breeding pairs, children not included. More than likely, there was a drastic dip, and then five to 10,000 bedraggled homo sapiens struggled together in pitiful little clumps, hunting and gathering for thousands of years, until, in the late Stone Age, we humans began to recover. But for a time there, says science writer Sam Keen, we were damn near extinct. I'd never heard of this almost blinking out. That's because I'd never heard of Toba, the supervolcano. It's not a myth. While details may vary, Toba happened. Toba was a supervolcano. Once upon a time, says Sam, around 70,000 BC, a volcano called Toba on Sumatra in Indonesia went off blowing roughly 650 miles of vaporized rock into the air. It is the largest volcanic eruption we know of, dwarfing everything else. That eruption dropped roughly 6 centimeters of ash. The layer can be still seen on land over all of South Asia, the Indian Ocean, the Arabian, and South China Sea. According to the Volcanic Explosivity Index, the Toba eruption scored an 8, which translates to mega-colossal. That's two orders of magnitude greater than the largest volcanic eruption in historic times at Mount Tambora in Indonesia, which caused the 1816 year without summer in the Northern Hemisphere. With so much ash dust and vapor in the air, Sam Keene says, it's safe to guess that Toba dimmed the sun for six years, disrupted seasonal rains, choked off streams, and scattered whole cubic miles of hot ash. Imagine wading through a giant ashtray across acres and acres of plants. Berries, fruits, trees, African game became scarce. Early humans living in East Africa, just across the Indian Ocean from Mount Toba. Probably starved, or at least, he says, it's not hard to imagine the population plummeting. Then, and this is more conjectural based on arguable evidence, an already cool Earth got colder. The world, having an ice age 70,000 years ago, and all that dust hanging in the atmosphere, may have bounced warming sunshine back into space. Sam Keen writes... There is, in fact, evidence that the average temperature dropped 20-plus degrees in some spots, after which the grassy plains of Africa may have shrunk way back, keeping the small bands of humans small and hungry for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So, we almost vanished, but now we're back. It didn't happen right away. It took almost 200,000 years to reach our first billion. That was in 1804. But now we're on a fantastic growth spurt to 3 billion by 1960 and another billion almost every 13 years since then till October 2011. We zipped past the 7 billion marker, says writer David Quammen, like it was a welcome to Kansas sign on the highway. In his new book, Spillover, Quammen writes, We're unique in the history of mammals. 
were unique in the history of vertebrates. The fossil record shows that no other species of large-bodied beast above the size of an ant or an Antarctic krill has ever achieved anything like such abundance as the abundance of humans on Earth right now. But our looming weight makes us vulnerable, vulnerable to viruses that were once isolated deep in the forests and mountains, but are now bumping into humans, vulnerable to climate change, vulnerable to armies fighting over scarce resources. The lesson of Toba and the supervolcano is that there is nothing inevitable about our domination of the world. With a little bad luck, we can go too. We almost did. some sobering news about human extinction. That was a fascinating article and I wanted to make sure that I brought that to you. Okay, let's go back to our three animal sounds. I'm going to play them for you now and let's see if you can figure out what these sounds were. Here's the first one. And that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is the sound of a hippopotamus. They live in sub-Sahara and southern Africa. The hippo is another one of those big animals. The males weigh 3,310 pounds on average, and the females slightly less. They are semi-aquatic animals. By the way, there is a smaller species of hippopotamus called a pygmy hippopotamus. They have a barrel-like torso, short legs, wide mouths, large canine tusks, hairless bodies, but they can run up to 20 miles per hour. They inhabit rivers and lakes, mangrove swamps. In the heat of the day, they stay in water to keep cool, and at dusk, they graze on nearby grasses on land. About 2,900 to 3,000 people are killed by hippos every year in Africa. They are considered the most dangerous animal in the world. They are very territorial. They are aggressive. They are unpredictable. They are threatened only by habitat loss. And that is a hippopotamus. And here is our next animal sound. That is a kangaroo, and it's a marsupial that is synonymous with the continent that lives on Australia. You think Australia, you think kangaroos. They are the symbol of Australia. The government in Australia estimate there are 34.3 million kangaroos now alive. And the large males can be big, up to 6 to 7 feet tall, and they can weigh up to 200 pounds. Now here are some fast facts about these kangaroos. They have powerful hind legs, and they can leap great distances. They have a sturdy tail used for balance that's long and muscular. The females have a pouch in front of their bodies used to grow the babies they have until maturity. As a food source, possible, it's controversial, it's considered good for humans because kangaroos have a low fat content. They can run at sustained speeds of 25 miles per hour and their diet consists of grasses and shrubs. And groups of kangaroos are called mobs. They have few predators other than humans. Kangaroos are an important and necessary Australian symbol for culture and identity. 
and that is the kangaroo. Now here's our third animal sound for today. That is a bird, a medium-sized wading bird called the northern lapwing. It's about 10 to 16 inches long. They live in North America, but they're also common in Asia and Europe. They have an irregular wing beat that they use during flight, and they have a shrill and wailing cry. They prefer living in open fields. That, of course, is our third and our final animal sound of the day. usually about this time as one of our last segments it is coming to the end here and i was looking at the clock we read a poem or maybe some quotes about animals well i'm going to do something different today and i don't know whether this is going to work or not i'm going to read some animal jokes these are jokes that have been in use and heard many years if not decades some of them are funny and some of them well i'll let you decide and i'll let you decide whether i should do this again so i mean these are very short and they're just one-liners and i'll read a few of them for you for this episode what is gray and has four legs and a trunk a mouse on vacation how does a mouse feel after a bath squeaky clean What is a rabbit's favorite kind of music? Hip-hop. What is a llama's favorite drink? Lemonade. What do you say to a hitchhiking frog? Hop in. What do you get from an angry shark? As far away as possible. How do you get an elephant into a refrigerator? Just open the door and stick him in. Okay, that one was good. How do you put a giraffe into a refrigerator? First, you have to take the elephant out. Then you put the giraffe in. And finally, why do ducks have flat feet? From stamping out forest fires. Why do elephants have flat feet? From stamping out flaming ducks. Okay. Alright, a couple of those were good. Most of them, no, I don't think so. And that's a wrap for this episode number 41 of the Visit the Zoo podcast. I want to thank you very much for joining me. Don't forget to visit our three websites for Visit the Zoo. The first is our main website, which is at Zoo Animals, that's plural, zooanimals.info. And my author website is frederickfishman, F-I-C-H-M-A-N.com. And if you want to help and support everything we do here at Visit the Zoo, you can go to our Patreon site at Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash visit the zoo. And also, please don't forget to visit our three new merchandise sites for our nameplate apparel, which is Zooswear, it's spelled Z-O-O-Z-W-E-A-R, for apparel of all kinds. And you can get to those sites very quickly by going to zooanimals.info, that's zooanimals.info, and look at the very top and you'll see the tabs to navigate through the site. And two of the tabs will say merchandise on Zazzle and merchandise on Amazon. As always, please, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to this podcast. And we're anxious to hear some of your comments about what we're doing and how we're doing it now that we're more than six months into the podcast. Just go to zooanimals.info and go to the contact form. I want to thank you again. I hope you have a great week. Join us again for another episode of Visit the Zoo. Bye for now.